Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Well, I sincerely hope you're having a wonderful evening. Hank, the propane salesman, texting in. Hank, haven't heard from you for a while. Hope you're doing well. Uh, he says, uh, you still owe me a life-size autograph poster. We did used to give those away on Inside Sports. We did used to give those away, the uh, life-sized autograph posters of me. Yeah, we'll we'll get it to you, Hank. Don't worry about that. 780-496-0063 to text or call on the hotline presented by CertainTeed, professional-grade building materials. Eddie Steele was on the show. Uh, what an addition to our crew here on 630 Chet. I mean, we did have him on as a guest sometimes prior to him formally joining us, but uh, he's uh, he's joined our broadcast crew as well. Awesome to talk to him. We had Blake Dermott on earlier in the week. I think Dave Campbell's going to hop on tomorrow to help you get ready for the game on Saturday between the Elks and the Alouettes. And Slater Cuckoo was uh, on the show telling you why he desires to keep being an Edmonton Oiler after spending an injury-riddled seat. Well, I guess it wasn't riddled. There was one big injury uh, after uh, missing a lot of games with injury. And he was pretty honest about going through the collarbone injury and how he came back with about 60% bone healing, as he called it, but held together by a metal plate. So he was indeed cleared to play. Cool to have him on the show as well. Okay, what are we going to do here? Let's, uh, let's do this right now so the phone lines are open 780-496-0063 we want to send you and three other human beings out for a day of golf at edmonton springs i'm going to answer i'm going to ask the question here and then we'll put you 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 do have to answer live on the air i've made it a little more user-friendly because what i did on monday was i said okay call in and we had a queue of callers and then i asked the question so nobody had time to really think about it or know what the question was or decide maybe they didn't want to call. And it took a while to get a right answer. And I, I always feel bad. Well, actually, I didn't really f- feel bad. I just felt like maybe people wouldn't want to be wrong on the radio, even though I do it on a daily basis. So anyway, 780-496-0063. Now, I said it was going to be a Greg Norman-related question because the last two winners of our Edmonton Springs golf trivia were named uh, Norm, Norman. We had Norman a combine win the other day. So here it's, it's not, it's actually not really a golf question, but it's about, it's about Greg Norman, the golfer. Greg Norman has a nickname. What animal is part of the nickname? This should be relatively easy. If you're, so this is kind of like name the animal, except we're not doing it with an animal sound. We want you to name the animal that is part of Greg Norman's nickname. Greg Norman, just like an inc- an incredible player. And, and if he would have won a few more majors, maybe he's in that conversation for who's the third greatest golfer of all time because he won a ton of tournaments. Some of them, yes, sure, were in Australian or, or a European tour, but he still won 20 times on the PGA. 
and he won two majors and he was in contention at a ton of other majors. It was in 1986. Uh, I believe was it was 86 or 87. Now I got to double check, but th there was the one year in the mid eighties where he completed the Saturday slam where he had a lead or was tied for the lead after three rounds of all four majors. And uh, yeah, it was 1986. It, it, it was 1986. And uh, I, I mean, he just couldn't seal the deal. He wound up, uh, he did win the Open Championship. He did win the British Open, but in, in the other ones, he couldn't get it done. He did win the 93 British Open, but he, he, as great as he was, he's often remembered for his collapses, 1997 Masters. He has a six-shot lead going into the final round. He loses by five to Nick Faldo. He was outplayed by 11 shots on the final day. A, a great player and, and maybe not talked about enough in terms of how awesome he was because he had so many heartbreaking losses along the way. Okay. So... I think this will probably be pretty straightforward for Jason, who was our first caller. Jason, thanks a lot, first of all, just for listening to the show. How's your summer going? It's going okay. I won't complain. Good. Good. Are, you, are you a golfer yourself? I am. I actually don't I know can... much about Greg Norman, but I do, I do know uh, what you're referring to with the question. All right. What animal is it? The shark. It is the shark, uh, Greg Norman, known as the the shark or the great white shark. So, uh, so well, if you knew that, uh, that's pretty good. Like, so, where you where do you usually play when you golf? Do you have a home course? I I play all over. I'm uh, I'm with that VIP golf, so I get to kind of play all over the place, and so I like that too, actually. Oh, nice. So, are you a, are you an Edmontonian, or are you in a in a rural area? No, uh, Edmontonian. Okay, cool. Do you go out of town a lot, though? Uh, once in a while, but not, okay. not often, I wouldn't say. Well, I like playing Riverside, so if you ever see me down there looking for a ball in the bush, you can help me <laughs> for a few seconds. Uh, I believe next week when I got some time off, my buddy and I are going to go to Trestle Creek near Entwistle and Evansburg because I grew oh, up I near Evansburg, so I want to go play there. Yeah, I haven't played there. I played there a few years ago. It's uh, it, it's pretty nice. Like you are out of the city. If if you if you if you want to get away, uh, mm -hmm. you are you are definitely out of the city and and back to nature. So it's pretty cool. Okay, Jason. First of all, again, thanks for just listening to the show. I, I hope there's uh, something you've enjoyed tonight, and you got to stay on the line because Kellen's going to let you know how we're actually going to get you these passes, and then you can go out to Edmonton Springs. Yeah. Thanks so much, Reed. Okay. So there we go. It is the shark. We had a couple other folks online. We'll give away more passes tomorrow. And then, uh, like I said, the uh, I think we're going to do it the week of the 23rd. Dave, Dave's going to host next week. And I told Dave, you can't do trivia because I have this uh, almost twisted joy in doing trivia questions. But maybe what we should do, I don't know, should we do it tomorrow? Maybe the winner should be somebody can ask me a trivia question. And... Uh, well, would they do it if I guess if they stump me? But then they could just come up with some weird question, like what's the exact uh, length of Hideki Matsuyama's putter or something like that. I, I would never know that off the top of my head. <laughs> but anyway, Norman, a combine texted in. He was hoping it was going to be uh, another Norm <laughs> winning tonight. Several people texted in Shark. I do appreciate that. The, the way the the rules of the contest work, you uh, you have to call in to win. So Jason did that, and he's going to Edmonton Springs at a time of his convenience with three other human beings. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Okay, trivia is going better now. 
I, this, the CRTC doesn't have to come down on me for making it too difficult for everybody. Got, got complaints. Got complaints for being uh, cruel to listeners. Kellen, everything taken care of back there? It is, yes. Okay, now, Kellen, are you? I, I don't. Do you golf? I don't think you golf. Do you? Only mini putt. <laughs> Only the mini golf. You now? Do you just not uh, enjoy it? You never got into it. Don't have time for it, or just apathetic about it. I mean, you don't, I don't, I'm not. I'm not making fun. Like, no, I'm not trying to make fun of you. Like, just how? Because some people like golf. Some people. No, don't. I never so got into it, and just don't really have time for it. That's it. So, it is. It, it, and that can be the drawback to golf. Well, I think that is the drawback to golf. And I understand when, when people say it, it can be time-consuming and it can be expensive. And even I think about that as someone who has been golfing fairly regularly this summer. Uh, I, I've gotten out there pretty much twice a week ever since we're the, the Oilers were eliminated. I'm golfing tomorrow morning early at Riverside. So again, heads up if you're on an adjacent fairway because I really never know where the ball is going. But Uh, Now, I'm lucky with this job is that I can get in a full round of golf early in the morning and still have a full work day. It doesn't cut into my work hours, so I can golf on a weekday morning. I don't have to go on a – generally, golf courses are more expensive on weekends, and they're busier on weekends, so I'm lucky that I avoid a lot of that. If if I could only golf on – on weekends, you know, maybe I wouldn't play as much, but, uh, but I'm lucky. And, and I do, I do enjoy the sport. And I, I know I've gone into my lamentations about this sad state of my golf game several times over the year. Um, <laughs> I remember one night uh, when Ryan Jesperson was hosting that show from nine to noon, he was listening and, and called in and actually counseled me <laughs> as I was talking about my golf game. But this year I decided and, and I'm, and I'm going to say this, and, and I realize some of you maybe aren't into golf and you're thinking, oh, my God, here's your crazy old Wilkins and his, his stupid sport again. But for, I, I mean, most people feel that they're not good golfers. And no matter how good you are, you always could have done better in a round. Even some of the best rounds I've ever shot, I, I've missed a shot or two or three or had a putt lip out where you're like, oh, man, it could have even been any better. But I've decided this summer, and, and I, I have to criticize myself here, the last two summers, I really let my attitude become poor. And then it's it's my fault. It's, it's totally on me. I, I would get too frustrated with missed shots. If I, if I had a bad hole or two early in the round, I, I would let it affect the rest of the round. So I really decided this summer, you like doing this. You actually like the process of playing the, the sport itself, even though you do, don't do it competitively you, you still like going out there and doing it and it, it's it's a social experience there are a lot of people who i get to play with and visit with on the golf course that i wouldn't really um be, you know be able to to see otherwise if we didn't make that time to play around a golf once or twice a year and and actually this year you know three or four people i hadn't seen in a while we got out and golfed and that's kind of how we reconnected so i decided okay this year wilkins you got to tell yourself you're not very good uh, you set a goal a few years ago of breaking 100 almost every round. And even when you play poorly, this is me talking to myself, which I didn't actually sit and do. Or did I? So I, I told myself, e- e- even when you play poorly now, you still break 100 almost all the time. So you've reached that goal. So if I shoot 98 or 94, I- I'm not really going to remember the round once it's over. So enjoy it. You know, you you 
you kind of half-assed, pardon my language, know how to swing the golf club and advance the ball. So if you hit a bad shot, refocus and get over the next shot and try to make it a good shot. And a couple of my most rewarding rounds this summer are not my lowest scores. They are rounds where... They are, they are rounds where I haven't done well on the front nine and then kind of pulled it together on the back nine because I didn't get frustrated. I just said, okay, focus on the next shot, hit it, then it's done. Focus on the next shot, hit that one and that one. And, and so some of the best rounds are where, you know, kind of had a sloppy front nine and then had a pretty good back. This texture says, yep, the fastest way to make golfing uh, not fun is taking it too seriously. Since I've just not cared, it's way more fun. Yeah, that's true. And, I, and I'm competitive with myself. I can't, I mean, people have said to me, including my dear mother who hates the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and that's nothing to do with golf. I just like slipping that in there. Um, oh, uh, Al, Chris Everett, I believe, is the answer. You just texted me a trivia question. Who was Greg Norman's second wife? I'm pretty sure it was Chris Everett, the tennis player. What do I win, Al? Do I get a can ham from you? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I can't not keep score. I, I can't not, um, you know, know kind of know how I'm doing. But I, I've, I've kept that perspective of you're, you're doing this because you enjoy it. You, you, you hit some good shots along the way. You might have a good stretch of holes. And, and you get to hang out with somebody you probably like and, and don't get to see very much. And I always remember, I think it's it, some of you who are even slightly older than me might remember, was there not a Canadian golfer, George Knudsen or something like that? I think it was. And, and he had a constructional tape. And, and he had a constructional tape. And my dad and I rented it from the video store in Evansburg in the late 80s when we kind of started golfing at the course near our house. And there was a great line in this tape, and it said, you don't play golf to relax. You have to relax to play golf. So you can't go to a golf course all stressed out and think, okay, I'm going to start playing and I'll feel better. No, you kind of have to put yourself in the frame of mind where you're saying, hey, I'm going to do something that uh, is enjoyable, is social. Hopefully I can advance the ball well enough. You got to relax to play golf, and then usually it's just a much better day on the course. So hopefully... I will uh, be able to do that tomorrow morning, and, and maybe I'll have a couple of good shots to tell you about tomorrow night. Anyway, 780-496-0063, back after the break. In the cornfield in Iowa, top of the sixth, Yankees are batting and trailing the White Sox 7-4. The Blue Jays start in about 15 minutes against the L.A. Angels. When I was a kid, they were the California Angels. And then weren't they the Cal weren't they the L.A. Are they still the L.A. Angels of Anaheim? Do they still call them that or do they just call them the L.A. Angels? They've had a few different names, but they've always been in Anaheim. Uh, and the Stampeders home to the Lions coming up just after 7.30 as well. So we'll keep you updated on the start of that game. Uh, Linda says, hi, Reed, George Knudsen from Winnipeg, Manitoba. Yes, that was the Canadian golfer I was referring to. Thank you, Linda, for clarifying that. He won several PGA tournaments, and yes, he did put out an instructional tape. El Nate says, are, are you sure it wasn't an instructional tape? Ha ha. Did I call it something else? 
You called it a cons- you I, called it a constructional tape. Oh, did I seriously? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but well, I, I thought that was golf terminology. I'm, That's why I didn't correct you or anything. Whenever somebody <laughs> and I, I I don't mind. I mean, look, I I ramble on and I I goof up words all the time. I'm just glad I didn't say something filthy. <laughs> but there, mistake. There you go. Far far worse things I could have said than calling it a constructional tape, an instructional tape. I get talking too fast. Chris writes in, he says, uh, when you are at Riverside tomorrow morning, see if you can find my Strixon number four I lost in the right bushes off the number one tee box on Wednesday. My initials CB are on the ball. <laughs> well, Chris, I can tell you there are a lot of balls in the right bushes off the first tee box at Riverside. <laughs> I think that's a common miss for people hitting their first shot of the day. Um, yeah, I wonder where most of the lost balls would be at Riverside. I, I would think there on one, um, maybe left of the fourth green, uh, to the left of that bunker. Uh, where else? Yeah, I don't know. Well, I'll have to get out and do a count. Maybe when the when the brush thins out, I'll, we'll, I'll go do a count of all the balls I find. That's so, Reed. Is golf basically a game of lost and found? Uh, that's part of it, yes. Uh, there we go. <laughs> if you, some days you have a bad score, but you're plus five in golf balls. You know, that's I consider that a win. There you go. For the Elks to win, more points, of course. Jamie Elizondo, head coach, on the importance of red zone production. I think you can overemphasize it. So we talk about uh, every game winning the four-point battle. And what I mean by that, the four-point battle is when you get in the red zone offensively, do you score a touchdown or do you kick a field goal? That's four points. Defensively, do you stop them, right, and hold them to three? If you do that twice, that's an eight-point differential. That's a touchdown and a two-point conversion. So every week since training camp started, we talk about winning the four-point battle. Right, because I think that that's that's the, those are the hidden numbers in football. Jamie Elizondo, head coach of the Elks, more on there. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Red zone production or lack of it and what they got to do this weekend. Article by Dave Campbell on 630Ched.com. Spec is up next. It'll be fun. the tube it's about to start in calgary stamps and lions they had a little ceremony before the game honoring a bunch of canadian olympians i've just been seeing on twitter that uh, i believe mike michael riley will start at quarterback for the lions this for the second week in a row contradicts what they had announced what they put out on the depth chart earlier last week it was supposed to be riley and then rourke came out and and played and then riley eventually did go into the game 
and clearly had trouble throwing the ball down the field. And uh, then they said Rourke was going to play tonight, but now I'm seeing that it, I think it's Riley going to be in action, just seeing some stuff on Twitter. I obviously have the sound down on the TV, but they're going to kick off right away. So I can let you know. The game in the cornfield, Field of Dreams game in Iowa in Major League Baseball, bottom of the six, the White Sox, who are the home team for this one, leading the Yankees 7-4. And a guy who has covered sports in a lot of different locales, I don't know if you've ever been in a cornfield spec, but Mark Spector from <laughs> Sportsnet uh, is on the line. I know you've done outdoor hockey games and you've been at uh, minor league and university rinks. I, I Like a baseball, football in like a weird spot? I don't know if that's on your resume or not. Yeah, no, uh, I can't say I've ever covered um, baseball in a cornfield. This is, and you know, I didn't, this has really been an unbelievable thing that Major League Baseball has done today. I don't know how, how close you've been watching this, Reed, but, I mean, right at the, from the start when those players came out of the cornfield and the visuals, the, you know, the the drone footage, now they're getting a sunset there that's blazing red over this green field. Like, oh, my goodness, for, for all the things, you know, we've watched the NHL do this, right? And I know some of the special events people, and they do such a good job putting on hockey games all over the place. But that this spectacle that baseball's pulled off tonight, I'm not sure it could be done better in any sport. Yeah, no, I've I've had it on. I, I, I mean, as, as as you know, and I always tell listeners this, I I usually if there's a game on, I usually have it on during the show, but I, I can't always hear it or pay total attention to it. But yeah, I, I have mm-hmm. had it on, and it is a spectacular setting uh, for sure. And I think this is, I mean, look, you you and I know what pro sports is like. There's a huge uh, menu for an audience now, whether you're a sports fan or not. And and I think that people still watch sports. Maybe not everybody watches the entire game front to back anymore because you got more channel options and you got your phone and you got YouTube and you can get highlights on Twitter. You don't have to even wait for my buddy Jay to come on at 10. Uh, so I, like I, the NHL does the event games, stadium series. I, I, I just wonder how far they're going to push it. I mean, what's the NFL going to do? What's the CFL going to try to do? Where else can, can hockey? Can, I, I think these event games aren't just here to stay. I think they're going to keep trying to do more outrageous things. Yeah, no, that's fair. I, you know, I'll be the first to say that I'm not, you know, the outdoor hockey games that was such a weird, you know, spectacle when they started. There's been so many of them that, they don't sort of they, what they've really become is a bit of a local story. It's a huge deal where it happens, and it's a huge deal for the two teams that are in it. I think that the sheer number of outdoor venues we've watched now, you know, I mean, I've covered games in Wrigley Field and Dodger Stadium. They just had one on Lake Tahoe. I mean, we were obviously at the game in Edmonton, minus 22 degrees. It's it's they'll keep doing this thing, and people are going to say, Reed. I'm sick of these games. I've seen too many. That doesn't matter. In the sites that they're doing them, they're a huge thing. They're an economic driver that's great for the teams. Let's face it, there's 32-team leagues. So how often is your team going to be involved in one of those things? So you're right, right? They're going to keep doing these things, and they're just going to push the envelope as far as they can. Yeah, the Lake Tahoe game was beautiful, but... I mean, disappointing because, like, didn't they have to finish it at midnight or something? <laughs> because yeah, it didn't this. work, you know. And, and <laughs> right, <laughs> like, imagine trying to build ice in all these places. You know, I, I I still love the idea of playing one on Lake Louise. You know, I think that would be well. Really they were cool. talking about that, right? 
yeah for this this past season well that's the thing you don't have to say well it has to be in an nhl city or in an nfl or cfl stadium in the same city you can go wherever you want because people will go uh i do i i should clarify and as i think you and i both looked into this the nhl uh there will not be a Heritage Classic in Edmonton this coming season, uh, right. but maybe down the road, year after, or, or down the road, it will eventually. I think return. the next Heritage Classic that is held is due for Edmonton. Is that not fair? I, I'm, and they've canceled it already for this year. Do we think? I think so, right? They would have. Well, because it wasn't be, on the schedule. It wasn't on the schedule when the they schedule. announced it. Yeah. Right. Uh, and and I reached out to the Oilers when they talked about a future one, and the Oilers said we we don't expect to be be in the mix this year. So now they'd have to come okay. out because because and I think it would be in March. Now things can change, and they can all of a sudden say, oh, this is going to be the game. But right now, that's uh, that's the information we have, and I think there's too many question marks still about attendance how many people vax or non-vax and i don't want to debate that tonight but we do know that's a part of the sports world okay so well, talking about the, sorry go ahead go ahead go ahead go ahead okay so talking about venues uh I, i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you this because because the, these bring out a lot of stories and I, I you could include anywhere you covered a game claire drake nate arena bill hunter arena uh the ballpark when it was still probably called Ducey field yeah. or anywhere you've been, uh, like, most comfortable and also, like, worst place to cover a game, like, worst press box or most dilapidated. Let's. I want to hear the two, the two uh, <laughs> extremes here. <laughs> uh, that's a good question. I mean, the press box thing, no one, you know what, who cares about us press guys? Uh, I would say the worst press box in the National Hockey League would be the old building on the island for sure. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. The atmosphere in that building is fantastic. I'd love to go sit in the seats and watch a playoff game there these days. But if that's the question, that's my answer. Um, you know, I, for me, the coolest place is I covered a hockey game one time. I covered a Melville Millionaires hockey game one time in the old rink in Melville. And it was awesome. Uh, I'm a fan of the old, old places. Uh, you know, I was lucky enough to come along uh, when Chicago Stadium was the orders of playing in, in, in the Blackhawks play at Chicago Stadium. So that's a memory that, you know, that was a pretty cool place to watch a hockey game, man. The fans were, you know, smoking their cannabis and and the boards <laughs> were shaking and the booze was flowing, man. It was like a party in there. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think a lot of the original, I mean, look, Wrigley Field's Wrigley Field. It's a, it's just it, any of our listeners who are listening right now, if you haven't been to Wrigley Field and you haven't been to Chicago, oh my goodness, get on a plane and go there as soon as you can. Uh, a day at Wrigley is just a day you'll never forget. So, you know, I don't think I have one. I think the Montreal, the old Montreal Forum was one cool place. The old Boston Gardens was a pretty funky old joint to watch a hockey game in. Um, played a watched a game at the oh dear, what's the name of the little town? The Red, the Wayburn Red Wings played a game. Oh yeah, played a play, place called the Coliseum, C O L L O S E M or S E U M, the Coliseum. That was a pretty crazy old rink. Now, why well, were you going to my... SJHL rinks? What were you covering? Uh, I went into Saskatchewan town and did a bunch of stories on on. I did a, uh, on, on just different things. I rented a car for the, I worked for the National Post Street, and it was one of the funnest assignments I've ever had. I went through, I did about six stories in a week. I did a, a, a piece on an old SJHL coach. I think it was Dwight McMillan. You remember him? 
Yeah, was he not the Weyburn coach? Weyburn coach, yeah. That's what took me yeah, to Weyburn. I, 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 it's, it definitely was McMillan. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, uh, and he had coached forever. I did a piece on him. I went up to Melville and did a piece on uh, there's these old schemers that ran the Melville Millionaires for a long, long time. They're sort of volunteer president board guys. And, of course, the millionaires are always broke, right? <laughs> They've been called the millionaires forever. <laughs> the ironic they name. Any, yeah, they never have any money. <laughs> so these guys invented these guys invented the uh, combine draw, which was very popular in Saskatchewan back in the 70s, where you'd win a combine. So the first year, they, they auctioned off this combine, and everybody bought tickets, and they made like 25000 bucks, and they thought it was the greatest thing ever. So they did it again next year. Well, next year, the guy took the cash instead because there's a little waiver in there where you could take the cash and it crushed them. They lost 25,000 <laughs> the oh, second geez. year. And that was it for their scheme. So anyhow, you know what? I love those off. The, I like getting around. I went to Notre Dame and did a story. It's, it's just fun to go to little places like that where the hockey's, you know, hockey's heartland, right? Reed? Well, I, yeah, I love those stories. And I mean, I was in a lot of, uh, well, I was actually in more junior B rinks than junior A rinks because when I was in Lloyd, you didn't really travel with the Blazers Bobcats. I did a little bit of play-by-play, but you didn't go too far. But it's, it's yeah. the, one of my best memories is actually a high school football memory. The, the Holy Rosary Raiders, when I was there, played nine-man football. Okay, Spec? So okay. it was a nine-man cool. league of teams in northwestern Saskatchewan. Okay. Uh, the Lloyd Comp Barons played 12-man football in Alberta. I think now Holy Rosary's in that league. So I went to a game in Unity, and it was in the fall. So, you know, it, it, was, it was still light out till about 7 or 8, but it was, it was getting dark, and it was totally, you know, it started after school. Uh, the whole school came out to watch the game, like students lining the field, and people sat in their cars and uh, and lined the field. And, like, the whole town was there, or it seemed like the whole town was there, watching the game and of course in the in that league lloyd was the big city right because it was unity and all these other smaller so lloyd was the big evil city that had to be crushed yeah, in these rural of course schools. of course yeah <laughs> and uh there was one game i covered that like here's the thing spec when i do a career retrospective and i'm probably going to get you to write the book with me because i won't have the patience to do it myself you'll have to help me write my career <laughs> retrospective and i list my top 10 games that i ever attended this yeah. game between holy rosary and unity that ended in a 28 28 tie because of a missed extra point on the final play will be my top 10 games I ever witnessed in person. And that's the beauty of the job, right? You see all this stuff where it's like, if I wasn't covering sports at Lloyd Minster, I never would have seen this incredible high school football game nine against nine. Right. Right. And you know, we do, we all get in the business and we have big dreams of traveling around and going to big league games and seeing all the NHL stadiums. That's really cool. And, it's, I mean, I, I always say I've never worked a day in my life here. I'm getting paid to watch hockey and other sports. But you know what? All those guys that are playing in, you know, the Scotiabank Arena and Rogers Place and all these big arenas, every Connor McDavid, they started out at one of those tiny little rinks somewhere, right? They all played in that little... You know, they were they were all in a little rink like in Thorsby where they got you could always buy a slice of pie <laughs> at the concession. <laughs> Thorsby had the best pie. You know. And those are the places that's where it starts for everybody. I don't care how good they are now. Wayne Gretzky played in the little rinks in Brantford one day a long time ago. And uh, it's I'm all for it. Uh, I can go back and write that stuff and, and go tell those stories from those venues all day long. 
Mark Spector joining us tonight on Inside Sports. The BC Calgary game is underway. They're about three and a half minutes in. There is no score. Michael Riley did start for the Lions, so they go with uh, uh, the starter contrary to the depth chart they put out for the second week in a row. The Oilers have, have been making some signings. I had Slater Cuckoo on the show earlier. Two years, 925K per year. So depth defenseman, same sort of role he played this past season. He did he did give me a, a, a pretty good quote that he said when he came back from injury, the, the collarbone was 60% healed, but he Ooh. was cleared to play because of the uh, the metal plate. And, of course, social media, I've seen some people freaking out. Look, he was cleared to play. They, they play, they come back as soon as they can uh, uh, all the time. So, you know, I, I got 8D in the mix now for the Oilers, if I include Lagos and, and Cuckoo in there with the other six um, that they had. Cuckoo was interesting because I thought he did well at times, but hugely, hugely derailed by that injury. Yeah, his season got cut in half. I mean, he, he when he came back at the end after the injury, it's like, you know, you're jumping on a moving train, right? Everyone's been playing all year and you've been off for, what did he miss, like, four months or something basically three months yeah yeah so you know what you can never i don't care who the player is we've we have any caliber you can't judge him on that season uh he's i'm fine with slater cuckoo as as a six right you know remember folks he's not coming in here playing on your first pair or your second pair slater cuckoo is going to be a third pairing lefty guy he's able to step up in a pinch for a short time you know if if Duncan Keith gets nicked up and misses a game. He can step up and play, and Russell comes in and plays, or however it works. But uh, we can't make the mistake of saying of thinking that you know every signing Reed isn't isn't you know the most important player in the team. You got to have guys who kill penalties. You got to have guys who play 17 minutes on that third pairing on defense. You know, and that's who he is. He's 27 years old. Uh, you know, I think he's. Listen, I would take him over Jordy Ben, and I think so would Ken Holland. You're the second person who said that to me today, unprompted. I'll take him over Jordy Ben. <laughs> okay. Poor Jordy Ben. No love on Inside Sports. Uh, okay. Well, Spec, I, I appreciate you. I appreciate you doing this. I, I, I know it's a little out of your uh, your usual time slot appearance on this station so it's a treat to have you on i always love shooting the breeze with you i was talking about my golf game earlier i, I you're going to get to see it in person next week so you may want to bring a blindfold or something or maybe something that prevents nausea when we're out there on the links <laughs> looking forward to playing on monday morning Reed. we'll see you then there we go that is mark specter senior columnist sportsnet.ca longtime sports writer here in the great city of Edmonton. Always fun to have him on the show. It is 749-780-496-0063. If uh, you want to chime in, uh, Leonard, I just want to say I got your text and thank you for sharing that story. I do appreciate it and, uh, and hope you're coming along, buddy. Back after the break. bank opens in the morning they'll foreclose people will come ray you're broke ray you sell now or you lose everything the one constant through all the years ray has been baseball america has rolled by like an army of steamrollers it's been erased like a blackboard rebuilt and erased again but baseball has marked the time this field 
this game. It's a part of our past, Ray. It reminds us of all that once was good. And it could be again. Oh. People will come, Ray. People will most definitely come. Oh, a little bit from the film Field of Dreams. Morley Scott putting that audio in the folder for tonight as the Field of Dreams game continues. Major League Baseball playing in a cornfield in Iowa. Top of the seventh, White Sox leading the Yankees 7-4. Bottom of the first, Blue Jays and Angels. No score, but the Angels with runners on first and third with nobody out. We have the Lions and the Stamps. Michael Riley scampering inside the Calgary 15. They're going to have about a second and four to keep the drive going for a touchdown. Elks coming up. Elks coming up on Saturday against the Montreal Alouettes. 3.30 for the countdown to kick off the game at 5 right here on 6.30. Ched, we'll talk more about that game and uh, tee it up for you tomorrow on this very program. We'll do more golf trivia tomorrow as well. I have no idea what the theme is going to be or how I'll do it. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I'll try not to make it overly weird, but it'll probably wind up being weird so just accept my apologies for that uh for that ahead of time i suppose <laughs> it's uh just let you know if the lions do get a touchdown out of this drive riley with a toss to the back corner of the end zone a little too high so with uh about six minutes left in the first quarter the lions will have to settle for a field goal attempt something that the elks did too often in their game against ottawa on uh saturday night this texture says the one sport I loved I never watch anymore is baseball, all home runs and strikeouts. Well, you know what? Cam Moon and I were talking about that the other day that I watch a lot less baseball than I used to. He still watches it, though he did say that, yeah, everybody's swinging for the fences and kind of small ball doesn't doesn't exist too much anymore. Okay, you heard from Slater Cuckoo, Eddie Steele, and Mark Spector. Get more on uh, Slater Cuckoo, the new contract, recovering from the broken collarbone, in the story I wrote on 630ched.com, globalnews.ca. Dave Campbell is the producer of the show. Kellen Kennedy, your intrepid studio operator this evening. My name's Reed. Thank you so much for listening. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.